0: Welcome to On The Mic, new episode today. So thanks for being with us. Um, Today I'm excited to have uh, Jack Wilson. Now Jack's a touring professional uh, that's played on the Aussie tour and um, he's a Victorian, but at the moment he apparently is in Canberra. So I'm not sure how I feel about him at this stage, (laughs) but uh, he's a 29 year old who's got a fair CV. So I'll run through a little bit of it. Uh, He's the Vic Amateur Champion of 2010. He's the winner of the 2013 WAPGA. Runner-up 2019 CPPNG Golf Open. He came third in the Aussie PJ in 2013 and uh, fifth in the New Zealand Open in 2017. So thanks for being with me, Jack, and I uh, appreciate your time, mate.
1: Jack, thanks for having me, man. It's, uh, it's a pleasure and looking forward to catching up. It's been a while.
0: It has, it has. It's been a long time. So uh, what have you been up to, especially with this shutdown? And I hope you've, uh, you've been sticking away from people and not infecting anyone.
1: Yeah, no, mate. I uh, fingers crossed. It's um, I, I'm yet to catch corona, and uh, I hopefully have maintained all my distance where possible. But yeah, lucky enough, um, I was you know pretty tough for all the boys at the moment that uh, relying on playing income um, with sure, golf yeah. being shut down worldwide. So I actually I injured myself at the start of the year, probably doing something right. I shouldn't have been doing. Jiu jitsu, little rib injury, which Forced me to miss uh, the first four events on on tour this year. And although not holding any status, I I, I would have likely played all four. Um, and, and certainly attempted to. And then uh, that decision, knowing that the tour was going to be pretty quiet from then on, I, I inquired about... I was actually approached about a position in Canberra. And my partner lives down here. And um, it just... It was like a perfect storm and things. I made the decision to move and then... All of a sudden, the world went crazy, and uh, I'd taken up a position at at Royal Canberra, sort of a week or two earlier. And uh, yeah, mate, as it sits, where uh, we we didn't have to close, um, unlike Victoria, and we've got a lot of different protocols in place. But that's me, mate. I'm working thirty-eight, forty hours a week still at the moment.
0: Perfect, and still obviously making a bit of money that way through coaching and still being able to practice. How's the rib injury?
1: Yeah, the ribs are fine. I came back. Just after I moved down here, there was a run of proams in Canberra, so I came off no preparation straight into those events. But <laughs> it was uh, oh, it was good, mate. I, I, it was good to be back out there playing. And yeah, I, I was pretty. I've been had a few injuries now, so I'm pretty good with uh, with the rehab and stuff. And I made sure I did everything right.
0: Yeah, sure. So with the jiu jitsu, is that just a, a thing you want to do away from golf, or is is that something that has uh, always you've always done? Or
1: no, look, it was first ever class. Um, right. But it's something that I've got a uh, oh, got no. a lot of interest in, and I think
0: yeah the ego
1: got got uh, the better of me. There was a guy who you know had been doing it for a long time that was sort of you know had handling me a little bit, and I thought I might be able to overpower him. And as it turned out, I sort of moved that floating rib and fractured another rib, and um, you know it was a it was a good lesson to learn because you know I've inquired about jujitsu a few times, and I love the discipline involved and. Um, I love just the anatomy side of it and understanding your body. And I think that'd sure, be beneficial sure. for golf. It's just one of those ones. You make a decision to do something like that. You put yourself in in risk of of injuring yourself. And as yeah, it turned sure. out, I was a bit unlucky and that's what happened. So um, I'll probably pursue it further. I think um, I really enjoyed it. Even though I got injured, I did really enjoy it. And, you know, it is a it is a really good sport. It'd be something that, um, you know, kids further down the future it'd be probably something i'll encourage them to get into i reckon it's, uh, it's a pretty cool sport
0: yeah so uh, through joe rogan experience obviously uh, eddie brava i've actually gone and looked at his sort of stuff and it looks very like he does a, obviously a specific thing with his jiu-jitsu is a little bit different but man it's pretty flexible and pretty cool what they do with uh with his schooling
1: absolutely man and it's like chess you like you got to be three moves ahead you know you got to be able to predict what happens and then you know there's three or four different options and then when that happens all right what do you what's your play to that and but it's all in fast time but and it oh, i don't know i love that you know if you get past the whole idea of laying on a mat with a bloke wrestling all sweaty <laughs> and real close up in each other's grill you get past that mate and it's uh yeah it's it's, it's a lot of fun and um just a, a good challenge mentally as well as physically
0: i will be uh i will be worried about knee to the nads or something. I'll, do you wear any protection down there, or is that just uh? I, I miss? yeah, look, I wasn't,
1: but uh, you know, I think it's it's part of the game, isn't it? Really, you want to be making sure you're keeping those those, <laughs> those protected at all times.
0: Exactly, exactly. Oh, good man. Oh, good luck with all that. Um, I want to get back to golf though, and before we get into the pro stuff, um, back as an amateur, as you said. In the intro, you had a nice win at the Vic Amateur Championship. So talk me through your amateur career before you turned pro. I think that was back in 2010. So you turned pro, I think, the next year.
1: Yeah, mate. So I, I was I was pretty lucky. Grew up country Victoria, Echuca, uh Rich River, um, 36 isles, lived across the road. Made the move to Melbourne just after I finished school with no real results at all other than just local stuff and uh, lived on the course at Kingswood. Um Battled a few injuries, wrist and stuff like that. Um, managed to get myself into an outer squad, Victorian squad. Learned how to train. Started seeing some some uh, yeah some decent coaches. And was lucky enough that David Capaldo was based out of Kingswood at the time. So, he took on my my coaching. And, yeah, other than... I don't think I even won an Ivo Witten event in Victoria, to be honest. I uh, had a couple of seconds and thirds. but That was about it. Um Come the end of the year, uh, Vic, yeah, Vic Amateur. At that stage, Port Phillip was qualifying. So 72 holes uh, qualifying and then into the match play and qualified 31st. My toughest match was round one against the 32 seed, I believe. And um, yeah, I I managed to get through to the final. And I remember speaking, it was at Woodlands. Which was in epic condition at that point. Like it was, it's still, when it's in good condition, one of my favorite tracks, but obviously yeah, good memories nice there as well. It's a track,
0: isn't it? Mm. Yeah.
1: And uh, I had Ryan McCarthy in the 36 0 final. And my parents rang me the night before asking if they should come down. And I said, Oh, look, don't bother. Like this is, <laughs> there's absolutely no chance. He's Eisenhower So he Cup, was touted as a
0: really, uh, as a big favorite, was he?
1: At the time, mate, he was Eisenhower Cup. He was one of the highest ranked, if not the highest ranked, in Australia at the time. Yeah, I didn't give myself a chance, like let alone anyone else. <laughs> um so yeah, I remember there was so no that was one out your there. prep,
0: was it? That was your prep. That was my mind, mental prep. Nothing yeah. to lose. And mate, to, to be honest,
1: when the expectations are low, there's something in that. You know, it's uh, I probably will I'm sure we'll touch on it, but I have the uh I have the tendency to to raise the expectations so high that I almost put myself out of it. I think that's probably one of my one of my trades, but yeah, that one was. I sat. I was three or four up through eighteen, and I sat down with him and his parents for lunch. It was a weird, weird environment, I tell you. And then, uh yeah, managed to win three and two. And, even the guy, the president of Golf Victoria at the time, announced my name wrong three times in the presentations. That's how much of an unknown I was. It was, uh it was hilarious. Uh, one of my best mates still calls me one of those names. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a good memory and. Um, I'd made the decision to go trainee before I won that. That was in December. And I'd made the decision to go trainee as of January 1, the following year. And I got I got number of calls from the amateur body saying,
0: oh, you know, stay stay amateur.
1: And, you know, you might get, you know, I, they started talking Eisenhower Cup and stuff like that. And I'm like, this is the only thing I've ever showed up in. It's, it's a big jump to be jumping Eisenhower from here. So... Uh, I stuck to stuck to that course and best decision I made you know I, that allowed me to get a couple of invites in the first two tour events of 2011 in Vic uh Vic Open and Vic PGA um Vic PGA was at Sandhurst when it rained out I finished like 22nd but I was playing for cash and that's yeah, a that's sure. a different ball game altogether in my opinion I honestly reckon that uh yeah playing amateur golf's one thing and I didn't play ext- as extensively as many but Yeah, once you turn pro, there's been enough guys to to case study to showcase that it is is very different.
0: Yeah, so that's interesting. Uh, The decision you you already had made and you stuck with it, even though you had all that pressure. And and obviously, you would have got a boost of confidence winning that um, amateur title. So, um, yeah, talk me through that decision-making. So, were you just thinking, okay, well, as I learn and maybe have a backup after – after my three years and I can still make money and, and maybe earn some status um, through the traineeship.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I got the opportunity to do it at a, a really good club, a club where I was living yeah. on the golf course guys that I got along with. Um, There's a lot of support yeah, there. Exactly. So that helped with that decision. You know, Cause you hear the horror stories um, particularly yeah, yeah, of yeah, the past, absolutely. but uh, yeah, it was that it was that I hadn't really had many results and, you know, I had the ability to work and at that time I'd moved out of home. My parents didn't have the money to float me. I was, I was working in a bar. I was working casually in the pro yeah. shop just to play the Ivo events. And mm-hmm. I was going backwards doing that. Like you could work three or four days a week and try and practice. And so to see the opportunity to play still get a degree, which in the industry that you, know, I was a fan of and work with some guys who I enjoyed their company, it was, it was a pretty easy decision really. and then. I was just super lucky to get that win at the end of the year and it did propel me a bit and definitely gave me that confidence. The first national ranking event in the traineeship was Rich River and that was going home. And I got to go home, play a four-round tournament and managed to chalk that one up um, as, a, as a win as well. So,
0: Yeah, talking from uh, talking from guys, that uh, I, was, I was lucky in a way probably because I was in my last year as you were in your first year and you came and started cleaning up. And you know, coming off uh, Vic Amateur Championship, we're like, "What's this guy doing? Like, <laughs> leave us alone! We're trying to, you know, play for a little bit of pittance on a Monday." And this that was guy fantastic, is man. At uh,
1: that stage, we, we were still playing for cash. At that point, life was uh, yeah, yeah. life was great. Yeah. A little
0: envelope it on a Monday
1: and happy days. Yeah,
0: exactly. Quite structured, wasn't it? It was a. It's a, you know, for people watching as an amateur and not sure what they want to do with their career, yeah. Your traineeship was a well structured place to be and. Yeah, I've got lifelong friends out of it too. So um it gives you the skills, and it, as you said, you've you've really benefited from it. So I, I would encourage people to look at it if that's what they want to do. Absolutely. Um, mm, what, what do you think about that?
1: Oh mate absolutely. I, I always say if you can't make it through the traineeship and improve, you're never going to cut it on tour. Because on tour, if you're going to, you know, there's always the odd exception, but on tour is tough, man. Like you got to be self-sufficient. You got to, you know, you got to run a business. You've got to be very efficient with your time because things crop up, and you've got to just make decisions on the fly and make it work. You know, so um, it's. Uh, I honestly believe that that was the best thing for me. I learned to win when money was on the line, and um, you know, I had to, I learned to make the most of my practice and work hard. You know, I put in some long hours during the, that traineeship. There's often times where I was at MGA until they were kicking me out. Um, after doing a 12 hour shift, you know, like I was, I wasn't, I, I, I put the work in, don't get me wrong. I, I you know, I that was something that uh, I did see through that time and, and I saw the benefits from it and then, you know, the satisfaction and the, the results and that helps you commit to the process when it's like that.
0: Yeah. I noticed when, even for me, cause I, I didn't really have uh, much of an amateur career either. I started golf pretty late and I decided to go early into the traineeship cause I sort of wanted to do coaching. I knew that in myself. But even with the playing tournaments, my attitude level changed. It, it, I don't know. I was more focused when I was playing for money and bigger events. Even though my skill level was the same, my attitude changed completely. And my level actually increased just with my attitude change. Um, it, it was quite fascinating. Yeah, mate. Well, so, you,
1: I remember playing. You uh, You had plenty of games. Don't you worry
0: about that. There's a lot uh, of great stop it. Stop it. I, I'll, yeah. I'll, thanks, mate. I'll give you that <laughs> money a bit later. <laughs> <I'm pretty sure. laughs> So, um, yeah, look, I, I think, yeah, the trainee life was great. And um, obviously, it's propelled myself into a coaching career as well and and as a lifelong friend. So, um, in the 2011, 12 and 13 years you had, I um, obviously, your 2013 year was pretty successful as well. I noticed that I think you won this, the state champs and I think you won four times as a trainee. And uh, obviously, we've got to talk about the 2013 um, PGA Championship too. So, that really got you you know into the spotlight almost with uh, with that third place you got um, behind Adam Scott and Ricky Fowler so talk us through that
1: yeah so that was Aussie PGA it was the month earlier that really kicked things off for me that was the WA PGA in Kalgoorlie Um, it was like a week before my 23rd birthday I'd taken two weeks off work and like I'd worked some big weeks to get that because I'd played some golf already that year so You know, we were working to the structure of annual leave like any other job, so you had to make it fit. And uh, I remember going over there on the Sunday through Adelaide, played a game in Adelaide, 18 holes on the Sunday, got to Kalgoorlie on the Monday, played 18 Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday before the event. And there was a six o'clock tee-off on one day because the pro-am was in the afternoon. And so, like, I would never structure my week like that any other time now, like even though that mm. you know worked for me then. And mm. then I went out and led from start to finish, end up winning in a playoff. i, I stumbled late in that final round to <laughs> to to finish in a playoff. And uh yeah, I almost made albatross in the playoff. It drive a two iron and it went to like ten feet. And then yeah, the, the G- Nick Gillespie I was with in the in the um playoff, he made five mm. and I two putted I I'll never forget. I was room with Andrew Kelly and Tarquin McManus. Couldn't find champagne in Kalgoorlie. They came out with a couple of crownies each and showered me in beer. And then we sat in the car in a small little Toyota Corolla for eight hours back to Perth. It was uh, oh, wow. it was pretty surreal, you know, the, the glamour of life on tour. There was no climbing into a private jet and uh, partying <laughs> it up. It was uh, it was yeah, it was it was a special time though. And and then the conversation with the boss after that to say. Mm you know, I've just won it hasn't been done before, but it turns out that's what uh, opens up. Like it gives me a winner's category. And now I'm eligible for all yeah. the big events for the rest of the year. You know, WI open the following week, Perth international. Um, then we had futures. Then it was a week off. Then Aussie PGA, Aussie masters, new swells open. Oz open. And I'm like, oh, I've got to play all these. Like w- what can we do? And, uh, you know, so the PGA were great. They were supportive as well. It was obviously great for the traineeship for them, you know, to see that a trainee winning on tour and, you know, showcase that pathway. And then, so they were supportive and allowed me to then finish my traineeship into the following year. And yeah, I, I had the next eight weeks off with a couple of shifts through the what, middle and away we went. What
0: a boss. What a boss Kingswood. Eh? Um, yeah. I was a, I was a member there when I first came to Melbourne when I was 18. So many years ago place. now. <laughs> Uh, yeah i i I love that little course mate um yeah so it's they've gone with peninsula kingswood now Mm. down there and that's an epic joint but uh yeah that little that little place has still got a lot of memories in my head so oh
1: absolutely um, mate i'll never forget it and i'll be able to mm. yeah i I could never shoot a low one around there like i remember i think i said 66 a couple of times but that was like as low (laughs) as it got and i was out there a lot so you know, a golf course like that, I think it was condition wise one of the best in Melbourne year round. Um, yeah, the super we had for majority of that time was pretty pretty special and uh, it was just a great yeah, like sure. it was like a country track on the yeah, outer yeah. sand belt. It was a pretty special place.
0: All right. So well you, you had the win um, at the WPGA and that got you into the big one, the yep. um the Aussie WPGA. PGA. And then all of a sudden, you find yourself last day back nine in contention with basically the Masters champ of 2013.
1: Yeah. So, current world number one at the time, Scotty was. Um, Mate, it was surreal that week. I come off futures hitting it awful. Turned up the start of that week. Hit three shanks in nine holes on the Monday. Hit another two on the Tuesday. And I remember standing on the coach and we worked on I had a tendency to get it in behind me. So, working on just getting the, the club out outside my hands. Mm. And I just managed to shallow it out. And like, the pro-am, I hit a few really good shots. And I remember, like, just going, oh, there's something here. But, mate, I had... Right. I'm like, I'd missed the cut in the two previous events. I was like, you yeah, know, if I make the cut this week, it would be epic. And I had uh, my now boss... Stephen Sandilands, who was doing our, doing the traineeship same time, he was third year as well. I was staying yeah, in his no, place Steve, yeah. on a Good
0: guy. on a mattress
1: in his like in his lounge room. And when we made the cut, we went out. We had steak, oysters, dessert. <laughs> We're drinking red wine <laughs> on the Friday night. We thought it was the greatest thing ever that we just made the cut. And then I go out Saturday, and the weather's pretty average. And I post yeah. the best number of the day and come up the leaderboard to like fifteenth. And I'm, I'm. We're thinking this is the greatest thing ever. I'm on. There's some interviews on YouTube that are the worst interviews ever. I am. I come across as the most cocky, confident kid. No, but oh, I was. Mate, I did
0: my research. I saw it. I saw it. It. It wasn't quite cocky. It was confident. I know that. It, it wasn't like you hit a few shanks on Monday. No,
1: I. I, I certainly disguised <laughs> it well. I tell you. But. You uh, yeah, you know, I. I remember. Yeah, like a management team. We brought him up like, oh, you can't, can't act like this later on, like so ever since then it's been scarred it scarred me but you know i was super confident we sat in a spa and drank ciders that night you know we thought we just thought it was great and then andy ma was on course commentator that week and i'll never forget he came up to me we chatted through the week and he was a member at kingswood so i had a bit of a relationship with him and he come up to me that started that final round and goes oh mate, i really tried to like I lobbied to be able to follow you around today and and commentate oh, yeah. he goes but they just yeah. won't let it you know like it's whatever." Sure. And I birdied three of the first six and he turned up with a roaming camera. I said, oh, get on you, mate. Jump on <laughs> the monkey's back. here, right. No worries. And then, no. yeah, sure enough, the highlights show that, like, I made birdie on 12, the par five. It had a really good pitch shot in close and was one behind mm. with, on the 14th tee, the par three there. Probably one of the worst mm. par threes in the world of golf. But um, not because of what happened to me, but just that yeah,
0: yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. It's a shocking yeah, I... par three. And I hit... Uh, no. I remember hitting, the, the rules official come up to us on the tee. I was playing with Ashall, and he mm. said to me, he said to us, he goes, oh, look, there's some lightning coming. And it was black. And he goes, oh, yeah. i would probably ring the siren." I said, oh, we're going to do his wade and hang out. He goes, oh, no, you've got to keep playing. And sure enough, mm. I hit four iron, goes back bunker, which is fine. There's plenty of room. Can you,
0: you can't hit it on that green, man. I mean, you're hitting four threes and two irons into this narrow green. like That sits ridiculous. away from you.
1: And at that point, uh, there was bunkers at the back, so I've gone in that back left bunker, and I'm wrapped. Like I'm like, ah, oh, this is fun. like there's more chance I me hole in this than anything else. But like I had, I yeah. was on the biggest momentum train of all time. And Scotty, from all accounts, hadn't he'd go, He was going backwards on the leaderboard. So I'm one behind. I'm currently second. I don't even know. Steve's great. We're just talking about some of the stories we talked about. Like they were. That was some interesting stories. Non golf related, I can assure you of that. And it uh, kept me yeah, kept me pretty pretty level. But yeah, we got called at the siren the siren went straight after I hit that shot. Um, I went and marked my ball and I spent the next hour and a half doing interviews and watching myself on TV and mm. it gave me too much time to think about it, I think. And <laughs> hindsight's the wonderful thing, but I came out, that bunker was nice and wet now instead of fluffy and soft and As much as I went to the practice range to warm up and hit bunker shot after bunker shot thinking it'd get me ready, just got got out there, the hearts race, and I chase it, goes down the tier, a three-putt and make double. And Scotty goes, drive a four-iron and like lips it out, taps it in for eagle. So I went from one behind to five behind. And although I made birdie up the next, the par five, and then made three pretty shaky, but clutch pars coming in. Um, I remember my dad had the highlight of the last hole and it came up on the screen it was like a $23,000 difference if we make make or miss the part. and he had it on there forever it was like 8 foot and you know I hole it and finish the outright third pocket nice. more than what two years of my wage was at that point and, uh, nice. finished third down and Scott and Ricky Fowler it was a pretty special week mate you know in hindsight, I probably had it one if, if we didn't get called off, but you know, like
0: you can't. <laughs> <laughs> Those bastards. it's easy to say it now. Uh. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, mate. Um, and, and like, the, where does the mindset come to be able to do that? I mean, uh, you know, yeah, you, you struggled on the Monday and Tuesday. Is it just something you found, as you said, as a rhythm or a confidence in the strike and you just go with it? Is that, I mean, golf's hard, right? Golf's hard. It's going to change every week. Is it that just that confidence you just need to find in yourself to commit?
1: Yeah, absolutely, mate. And I think, you know, every result in that early stage there for me was, I went in with no expectation. Like I was always just in the shadows. No one even knew I was there. And then all of a sudden I had a point to prove when I got to that point, it was like, well, you know, I can, but I, had, I hadn't had let myself get to the point where I'd already thought about what happens if I get that result, let alone thought I was capable of getting that result. And then as you know, time went on and those results started to mount up a little bit, the confidence started to get up and the expectation followed. And you know, I'd t- I'd start teeing it up every week expecting to win. Um, yeah, and that me. was probably, but, but at that point it was, it was the thrill, man. It was the thrill of being in that position at that point. I'd never been there before. So it was like, that's just, pure excitement, um, adrenaline, it's, it, it's great. And and because the swing had probably been letting me down at the start of the week, I had a very clear swing thought and I was shallowing it out. And like, I remember hitting, like, I try and find that feel now. That's seven years ago. Like, I try and like manifest that feel of getting it shallow and hitting these these fades that were just like launching great and soft fades with driver that were just landing on the spot. I mean, I haven't had it since and I think it was, but it's, uh, yeah, it, right. it, it, it was a very special time and mm. I just managed to you know get into that rhythm a couple of times that year, I think. And when I did, mm. it was, I just held on and sort of rode that wave yeah. as much as I could, which sometimes wish yeah. I uh, was able to, uh, recruit some of that later on.
0: Sure. When the pressure comes to you and the lights come and Eddie Ma comes over to you and, um, decides that, you know, we're going to follow you How? to so say, did you just, did you take that on or did you, did you feel a bit of pressure? How did, how did how'd you react to that?
1: Yeah. I, um, I don't know. I probably didn't realize it at the time, but I'm a bit yeah. of a, sh- like, I think I'm a bit of a showman. I think like, I don't, I don't exactly hide <laughs> from the spotlight. And at that point, I think I was just getting a taste for it. And I, I didn't, I don't know. I probably didn't understand what it could be and the power it could have um you know when we you, know, you touch on brand and stuff now it's at that point I, I think i intuitively knew that there was there was an opportunity there but i i just didn't really know how to capitalize on it and then but i did like it i did i did like the idea of being the you know the country kid that could achieve something pretty special and i'd watched daniel popovic come from the clouds the year before so yeah. you know there was sort of that to to bank off the fact that oh maybe it is possible but, um, you know, I don't know, man. It's, it's, uh, I do like the, I do like the spotlight. And the, and the thrill you get coming down the stretch in a golf tournament on Sunday, there's nothing like that, mate. And that's all I play for. If we put money and everything aside, the feeling you get when you're in that. And I've had a couple of times since. There was an Oz Open in 2016 where I had a run at it and... I wish I had of thought of what was on the line a bit more and played a little more conservative because I saw the potential chance to win. And I pushed so hard that it backfired. Uh, and I could, uh, I could, yeah, run through endless amounts of times where that is because I think, I don't know if it was dad or someone along the way, said, you know, no one ever remembers who comes second. And, yeah, sure. you know, you push for that win all the time, but it is just because I had it once and, the feeling i got from winning was was something pretty special so you know you, you you just yeah i'd i'd give anything for that it's it's pretty special
0: when when you say pushing pushing for the win is does that mean you're trying to make too many birdies is that being too conservative how is your pushing for a win how does that look when you're playing
1: pushing is highlight reels on ESPN play of the day? That's that's what I that's my number one goal. I think if there was anything I wanted to achieve in golf, it'd be that, It'd just to get that, right, I think right. that'd be epic. But you know, I think at that point, it is, it was making it's generally making birdies. A lot of those times I've been in that situation, I haven't been leading, I've been cut behind, and that I was open. I was playing with John Senden in the last round, and I was. It was the year Ogilvy and Aaron Badley went toe-to-toe. But they were like three holes in and I, I'd played 13. And I was, I was one behind. But you get ahead of yourself and you go, but you know I've got five to go. There, there. You start doing the match. You're like, if I make three birdies in the next five, I could win this. And then really all I needed to do was par in and I had a British open spot and finished top three. And he, I make three bogeys in the last five and finish 15th. And... Pretty big uh pretty big shift, but you know, you never to know that. And I'd hate to come back going, Oh yeah, I sort of I just dollied that one up there and tapped it yeah, in, yeah. you know, and then I lagged that one and you know, yeah, I finished third in Australian Open, but you know, I, if I had not yeah. just taken something on, who knows what could have been. So at least I know I had a crack. It was stupidity, probably, yeah. uh lack of intelligence, whatever you want to call it. Um, well, you know, you a, probably a, learn a, from a it, right? I
0: mean I mean, you, you, you obviously left everything out there, but you learn mm. from it and you probably, I know patience is such a big thing and it's very easy to say, um, but when you're in the moment, it's so hard to stay patient out there. I Absolutely. Mean, when I look, I, look at, I look at Brooks Kepka, the last few majors, the amount of patience that man showed, uh, I can't remember which major it was. I think it was the PGA, I think. He was missing putts the front nine the whole way the whole time he was missing parts and I'm like, this guy's going to surely fall soon and just started making them around 15, 16, 17 when it really mattered. But the patience he showed over the first 11, 12 holes was unbelievable.
1: Absolutely. Mate. And like, you look at the domestic players that I know quite well that have performed time after time here in Australia and outside, but mostly in Australia, you think of your Matt Millers, your Stephen Jeffress. These are the guys that, you know, don't really have that power and ability to you know get the play of the day highlight stuff, but they're patient and they they know their game and they know their capabilities and time after time they're there and there again um and yeah look, I think I definitely improved, but mate, I'm still the same person I still have that same thing where I get aggressive and and it's. It's the fun part of it. I love that. Yeah. I love hitting the ball hard and I love trying to get that highlight reel stuff. And it's why my well, scorecards you, are always you. so colorful.
0: Mate, exactly. And, you, and you've, got, you've got the runs on the board, mate. So who knows if you didn't have that attitude, who knows you know, what your resume looks like. So Exactly. I think yeah, you've just got to be yourself, man. And, and that's going to be the best. And as you said, you'll live with yourself if you're just yourself too. You'd be yeah. A, Get up the next day with no regrets.
1: And hey, mate, now I'm uh, I'm super lucky with what I've been able to do because of it, so no regrets here.
0: Yeah, cool. And uh, look, you touched on branding, which I think's interesting with yourself too, because uh, uh look, I've I've obviously followed you over the last few years, and it's been hard to miss you, to be honest. Uh, with your nice big dreads and and the beard and 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 Riz, I think is it Riz? Your care caddy. So you yep. guys have been a bit of a duo over the last few years. So talk me through the branding aspect. I'm, I'm assuming that's deliberate, and you and you touched on that before.
1: Yeah, look, I after that that win, I think um, things changed dramatically for me. I spent thirty plus weeks over overseas the following year in 2014 with no real results. Um, put my the money I had aside to pay my tax bill. I, I put that into going and playing a year in Canada after getting status through Web.com Q School. So came back from the end of 2015 after a lot of fun in Canada and a pretty dismal year in Europe the year before and a state of rebellion. I'd grown my hair out and I went, oh. I'd always played Tiger Woods and customized my character with dreadlocks. Yeah. And I was like, <laughs> people keep telling me I can't do it. I'm doing it. And it was sort of that.
0: Yeah. Sure. Everyone
1: kept pushing back on it. So I, I think again, intuitively, I sort of, I, I guess I predicted there was something in it, but, Never could I have imagined what happened when I turned up in January, February that following year with a head of dreadlocks and uh, the pushback I got. And then I went, oh, well, because of this, I'm going to continue to do it. And added the beard. And, and yeah, the brand so the started to Are
0: talking about the PGA or who you talking Oh, to?
1: everyone, mate. Like social media was, you know, that was, that was 2016, right. started 2016. So it was flying by that stage. And I, every photo I'd put up, would get, there'd be an abusive comment on there, like, have a shave, wow. you look like a bum, you look, you're wow. terrible for the game, um, you know, what are you doing? Like, just, so, that that just gave me fuel then. I was like, oh, yeah. this is great. So, you know, I sure, kept doing it sure. and exploited it. And then, you know, golf, golf in this country, we have some of the best golf courses and we produce some of the best players. Seven wins this year already, like, from know, Australian right? players there's no doubt that we have a place in golf in the world. And yet our tour here has been suffering for so long. And yet, you know, yes, we're small. We don't have the population, but we haven't explored everything. So my brand, you know, was to make golf more entertaining, accessible um, to a wider demographic, you know, and that's what it was. You know, I, I couldn't, and even now, other than with the exception of a couple of events, I can't sit there and watch golf on TV. So I can't expect any of my mates that are my age to want to sit there and yeah. watch it because it's boring. And, you know, that's like, it, it, it could be a lot better. It's the greatest sport in the world. There's, I, I could argue that black and blue, which got so much potential. So I saw the opportunity to go, I'm going to expose a little bit of, uh, a little bit, bit of this here. And, and then you, you mentioned Riz. Riz was a conscious a conscious decision to come on board because that was the start of 2017. You know, everyone had started to become accustomed with the way I was looking and it was starting to wear off. So I was like, ah, and I wasn't enjoying the travel. So he just got back from a year overseas. He was looking like a homeless man, spitting image of Otto out of happy Gilmore, (laughs) the caddy that Adam Sandler picks up at the gate, dead set spitting image and love traveling. Knows nothing. Knows about absolutely golf absolutely zero, man. Like, had never been to a golf tournament before. And I said, mate, Queenstown, it's my favorite place. You've got to see this place. Come over. We'll play. I'll show you what you need to know. And after it, we'll jump in a camper van and we'll do a week just traveling around. Yeah, no, Little did he know that that was all going to be just straight on the credit card, hoping that we'd be <laughs> able to make it work. And sure enough, we turn up and he knows nothing. It's, it's hard work, the Tuesday, the Wednesday. The Thursday, I'll never forget. We, this is 2017. You mentioned, you know, yep. the result there at the start.
0: Bet New Zealand Open.
1: Yeah. Yep. Thursday, mate, I was up and down like a yo-yo. The emotions were all over the place. We get to 10 and I get to my ball. I've done my yardage. I turn around to grab a club and he's nowhere to be seen. And he's down, <laughs> like, he's 200 meters back just chatting to the scorer. And I'm like, dude, we're on the clock. What are you doing? Like, I'm losing it. And I end up shooting one under. And one of the boys shot 10 under that day. I was nine behind after round one. And that was, we played at Millbrook. The next day at the Hills, I shot seven. And I remember he goes through, and he's a smart dude. Like, he's got a science degree. He's doing his master's now in in another degree. He's a smart dude. So he picks up on it through about 14. And the next time he goes, we're going all right here. I said, (laughs) yeah, but we were already outside the cut line before we started. So we're maybe one or two inside it now. I said mm. this is where mm. this is where it matters, these last few holes here and heels we've got a we've got to, we've got a man up here, we've got to finish it oh, off. Man. And then you know, mm. I birdied three of my my last five, I think, and shot seven. And all right, we sort of made some headway and then I went out and shot six the next day and all right, now we're somewhere near it. And then I shot five in the last round, I think, and we posted a number where I was outright leader. Uh sorry, yeah, out, like clubhouse leader. And although there was Still, three groups on course. You know, it's like, oh, how good's this? And we got on TV quite a bit um, at the end there, yeah. <laughs> but no one yeah. knew what to say. There's a highlight there of the commentators going, have a look at these two blokes. They're walk <laughs> up starts for the cast of the Revenant with Leonardo DiCaprio. And then I make the putt on the last for par, and they're yeah. screaming from the marquee because they get hammered over there on the Sunday. Like it's party central and in the marquee they're screaming they're like yes well sir and it was like happy gilmore like it was <laughs> yeah, yeah. the crowd we were attracting was hilarious and i knew like once they didn't give me an interview after the round i thought they just don't know how to handle us here and then
0: that's right yeah. at
1: the end of that you know we finished 5th because the boys you know i finished two behind but there was a it was a bunch up and and finished 5th and um paid for the trip we had a ripping trip that week it was uh, one that We'll never forget, and uh, it was it was pretty special. So, yeah, it was good, man. And then things quietened down for a bit after that. But
0: so you were clubhouse leader, and they didn't interview. You.
1: They didn't know <laughs> what to do, mate. They were. I, I went to them a month that before that, event and said, "I've got Riz coming. I reckon this is a great opportunity to get some yeah. content leading in, and you know,
0: do what stuff with it." What is wrong with them, man? What and they didn't know what
1: they. It was like it was that you know they were a bit scared, and and look, don't get me wrong. They jumped on board later that year when we had three runs of events and Riz, Riz had come back. And we did New South Open, Oz Open, Oz PGA, end of 2017. The first week we took over the Insta story for the tour. Four-minute yep. video, just marking around, being clowns, just being us. And I can honestly say everything we ever did together was literally just us just hanging out and being mates. And that's what was so ironic is the traction we got again exposed that there's something wrong with the game. If two Mm. blokes can go out there and just be mates and hang out and do what we would normally do and get so much attention, there's, you know, there's something wrong there really. We shouldn't be getting that much attention, but we loved it. You know, it it was able to build on that brand and make golf more entertaining and, Accessible to that wider demographic, so it was really good.
0: Yeah, I noticed the last couple of years. I think European tour have done it really well with their Instagram. I think uh, their content's been really good, and I think the PJ have followed them. The PJ tour have followed them a little bit, their lead. Yeah. Um, but what what can we do back in Australia? Because as you mentioned before, it is a tri- it's a massive chance we can build something over here. And you know, back in the Norman days, it was huge. I mean, the crowds were huge. Players came out to play events. And then all of a sudden, we've got no events, uh, hardly any players. So, what do we do? W- what is it that we do, you think? Yeah, look,
1: I, I don't know. It's it's a tough one. We struggle here because population in this country is a lot smaller than every other country. So, we don't have that to hold it up. So, we can't just rely on the traditionalists, the the point 0.1% that, to keep the game going. And, and we're in an industry, in the sporting industry, we're competing against some of the greatest sports in the world that are only played domestically. You know, like AFL, I am the biggest fan of AFL and there's, they're essentially a competitor of golf. We're flying for the same sponsors. So we have to do something very progressive mm-hmm. if we're going to have any chance of engaging a demographic that is going to hold longevity for this sport and enough of a population to warrant you know getting it on TV tv wanting to pay us to put that on and sponsors going this is a viable option to showcase my brand and product you know on a telecast on a player you know it's not a billboard option right now because it's just not progressive so progressive mate. i think format wise we haven't even gone close what we could i mean
0: they got the sixes eh? they've got the uh what is it the super sixes uh is that the tournament they do that's a little bit different you can wear shorts um minimized amount of
1: so it's 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 very conservative mate we I, i thought it was a great idea when it first came out and then you play three rounds of normal golf the entertainment doesn't start until until you're on the bubble on saturday getting into that you know the match play the top 24 so, around that bubble, it wasn't the guys that were definitely making it. It was around the bubble of the guys that are on the 24 or, you know, that are going to make a couple of birdies and sneak in or make a couple of bogeys and fall out. That's where the entertaining golf was. But, mate, when you've got to wait three days to get there, no one's got that time. Everyone's so time poor now. You need to give it to them. So, give it to them earlier, um, right from the start. So, I've written a couple of things I, as, like, You can tell here, I'm pretty opinionated, but I'm passionate more than anything. Like, I do want to see this game, and you know, there's an invested interest there. Like, I want to compete and play sport for a living. It's the greatest career ever. But at the moment, that's not a viable option in this country because there's just not enough tournaments to play for. I'm relying on three or four weeks a year to make a yearly wage. So, we need to create a product that people want to watch and, and want to be involved with.
0: Yeah, I think you're right, and you know what they want to watch is something shorter, more entertaining, with energy, right? Energy, and so man. the energy comes usually from the back nine on a Sunday, right? Because people are making mistakes, they're making birdies, they're reality people TV, are making man. runs. Exactly. I mean, how many how many people have got a lead and lose it on the back nine? I mean, it's got to be nine out of ten, right? Yeah. There's entertainment every time, and so it's it's got to be the format and big players named players you've got to get players out there now how do you get players out there you've got to pay them to get here and and you know if you pick the right players the investment's going to be there right surely the investment's there if you get the players
1: yeah i think that's yeah. tough because the money's got to come from somewhere right so you, you know i think initially we have the opportunity to be the leaders in innovation in this country we have the ones we, we could be the ones to to really start something and then other tours look at us and go well, work there. We're going to try it. And we can bank off the fact that go and go, we were the ones that tried that first. You know, I'd, I'd love to be that, you know, the the initiators of, of different formats and trying it. And, you know, it can be at a smaller, a smaller purse without those players initially, if it's broadcast and produce right. Like you can cut highlight reels together that show something really entertaining. Hey, that's the yes. world we live in now. So produce something sure. special and then, and then you know that's just the bait on the hook, and then you catch someone that goes, all right. And you got to go in with some pretty strong negotiation, and know that your product is solid, and negotiate something big there, and and just balls out on it and go. And unfortunately, again, that sort of thinking is very progressive. It's a lot. It's a it's risky. But man, yeah. I see the two are dying a pretty slow death right now, and. It might be just my personality and it's my opinion, but I'd love to see him have a red hot crack and die in five years knowing they left it all on the table, than die in ten years going, Well, oh, we we hung on to it for as long as we could.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
1: That's there's too many guys' lives at play here. So many guys relying on that. And, you know, we're lucky. We've got that backup. But there's a lot of guys on tour that don't have that, that have been in golf their whole lives and have Managed to get to this point, but it's highly populated out there on the Aussie tour now. With very limited opportunity to make money, to enough to live. It's not like you're going to sponsors and getting people to pay you. You have got to be super lucky to find that person or company that, that that can see the value and return on investment. So, mate, it's tough out there right now, and it's uh, you know we've got we've got a yeah, and it's a lot to ask of an organisation too. Really, it's I don't know what the answer is, but I think we need to really try some some bold moves and I sat on the players board for 18 months and I, I portrayed a lot of those views and you know unfortunately I couldn't see that being through and it could have been my impatience too you know I am a bit that way the way I've probably mentioned and talked sort of the way I go but I want to see results now I want to see things move quick and unfortunately things in this industry at no level move quickly.
0: And I think that players can adjust. I mean, if there's money on the line and there's some interest, the players will they'll they'll fall on the line and you know play these different types of events, whether it's you know Ryder Cup style, shortened events. Um, you, the players will get involved if you know they're playing for a check. It, it doesn't matter how, right?
1: Absolutely. Music's the first one, mate. Music's oh, yeah. the first one, right? You know they had yeah. this whole thing that party holes were. You know your players don't like it. it doesn't matter. The players, white noise. We're, we'll be fine with it. It's just a habitual change. As long as we get used to it, it's fine. We we'll learn yeah. to play it. We don't yeah. need. How many guys do you see on the range with headphones in? It's not like they need to hear the sound of the ball. It's not like tennis, where you know the the ball gets hit back at you and the sound off the racket is instinctive to what your reaction is. Like, it's not like that with golf. So, if it's gonna, if pumping music and and using venues as multi-purpose. Uh, venue so you've got concerts and stuff happening simultaneously let's go if it's going to bring money and bring crowds and showcase what we've got mate let's do it exactly. like, i don't see the reason why we wouldn't we've got there's more.
0: no there's no reason not to there's yeah no reason not to
1: totally and again it could be it's my opinion and you know I, i'm i'm very no, much could... vo- vocal in that but it's uh and it's, it's easy time to think outside the box man too you know like I sit back here and I have sat on the players' board and I've put those views across. And I'm pretty passionate, and I think I—I I like to think I give back where I can. Um, but it is—it uh, is easy for me to say, too. You know, it, the guys sitting in those positions that make the calls—they're getting paid a salary. They've got a—you know—they can't be too risky either. Like they've got families to feed and whatnot. So, you know, it, it's a tough ask when it comes to that sort of stuff, too.
0: I think it's definitely time where, especially Australia, can have a chance at at uh, you know doing something outside the box for once and, and even if it's one or two t- two weeks a, a year we, why not right why not totally mate. And, and, and don't get
1: like 70 percent of the the tour demographic like the, the players out there are my age or younger you know yeah, that's right. Yeah. they live in a world where they've seen what's the world looks like and what every other industry looks like and you know, golf's not there we're, we're a long way behind so we need to evolve and adapt, and, and and the guys are ready to do that. I can assure you.
0: And ask the the audience what they want. Just put out a survey. Go, what what would bring you here? Mm. You know, I think even asking my wife, Libby, people like that who have got nothing to it, what would bring you out to a golf tournament? Mm. And I guarantee she'll say, quick music, food and drink, <laughs> destination, mate. You got to make you know you got to make
1: yeah. the tournament a destination, and golf is a sidekick. Like golf playing in the background, but you get people there that then filter in and they see that and it's a value add and you just got to bring value, mate. And that's, that's something we struggle with. The,
0: the other thing too is when you watch highlight reels back and things like that, when they cut them up, no, no, they're not showing all the shit that happens Bloke made triple. Made it, that's what you want to see. Like, that's what I want to see. I, I want to see the birdies and eagles, but I want to see the doubles and triples and quads. But you look at the uh, highest watch of golf videos, it's blokes snapping clubs, throwing them in the like,
1: And that's not the answer. I'm not saying that that's what we need to, need to see. But that's part of it. It's the reality TV aspect, aspect that, that closes the gap of relatability between spectator and player. And that is the biggest thing golf doesn't have right now. And the Vic Open have done well with it. Where there's no ropes. You walk inside the ropes, essentially. Still a little bit, you know, stake, but it's it's a start. Yeah. But we need to showcase more of that when we when we put it on TV, because that is how people will find entertainment. It's the conversations between player caddy. It's the you know, it's the it's the and yes, you've got to and again, players will fall into line. There's a lot of swearing on the golf course. You can't put that, you know, but cut and edit. Put it on a two second delay. Do whatever you need to do to make it work but that's what you need to showcase more of that stuff
0: yeah the younger generation don't care about swearing shit i mean come on like and in it as you said you can always beep it out if it's too offensive but that's what people want they want the emotion they want the emotion for sure and
1: they want to see guys pull it off under pressure when they didn't expect it and they want to see guys that they expect to win stuff up like that's what they people watch that mate like you funniest time videos was One of the highest rating TV shows because they wanted people wanted to watch people hurt themselves and make mistakes.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: You're not going to get to hurt yourself in golf very often, but you're going to get them making mistakes and, you know, blowing up and having that brain fade that is, you know, it's life. Like it's, yeah, it's normal, man. Like that's what we got to showcase. More of that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. The interactions that'd be awesome. I think if if you could hear the caddy and player what they want to try and do with the golf ball, and then as I said, doing it amazing. If mm. they don't do it, snap club amazing. So uh, <laughs> very it's, different it's,
1: to <laughs> the uh, audio you get of Riz and I when we're out on the golf course. They did uh, that twenty seventeen year yeah, yeah. Riz. That was after. So we'd done that that Instagram video. The following week, the golf show interviews him on the range. Andrew Dada. Andrew Dato? Yeah. Datto interviews him and Riz asked him three times the interview who he was and what he was doing there. Like it was, I'm losing it on the range. And then the following, the following week at Aussie PGA, they mic'd him up for the first yeah. three or four holes of the second round. And he signed that video off by calling out all the sponsors in the marquees on 18. If, oh, yeah, and you guys up there in the tents. If you want to have a couple of brown lemonades with us, just let us know. That's how he felt. Like, it was... Yeah. And, mate, that was yeah. a six-and-a-half-minute video that had more views than any other video they'd done because it was something different and it showcased the real side of it. You know, we sung songs as we played. Like, that's just... We didn't... There was nothing played up there. They got the best bits of the four holes, but it was just us. I was out there playing golf. And then the final round, we played with Sergio. And by that stage... He's out there. He's the reigning Masters champ again. Yeah, and tell us
0: about that man. You smashed him, by the way. Sixty. I, I didn't think you had. and He had seventy-four or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I beat him. I beat him.
0: it was—he uh, <laughs> had a run. At, he had a run at
1: me late. But I, he's. Did he? But he wasn't Tell happy. me about that experience. Oh man, walking onto the tee, like I'll—I'd love to be able to get it up and show you. But the night before was the best one because we've finished and I'm seeing my name on the leaderboard and I'm doing the maths and I'm working out. I'm like. Riz, we're going to be playing with Sergio. I think we're going. Oh, no, maybe not. And then, like, and then it gets posted. Oh my god! And they post the tiles of the tea times, and Riz is in the tile. So it's Lucas Herbert, Sergio Garcia, Jack Wilson, and Riz. And it's like (laughs) him in the background. It's never (laughs) been done before, man. At no stage have I ever seen that. Probably one of the most progressive things. That, but mate, you should have seen the crowd we brought out. It was like Trailer Park. Happy Gilmore crowds. It was hilarious. And walking onto the tee, the first tee, Sergio's turning there. And Riz walks up and, like, introduced himself. That was back in the day where we could shake hands and stuff. And the look on Sergio's face, mate. Was hilarious. He, he's looking around for Ashton Kutcher like, when am I getting punked here? Like, this is something going on. What is this about? And then the best one was on the ninth. And we just, there was just video, um, film of me fist pumping him after we had Birdie a couple of holes earlier. We get to nine, I hit in the green side bunker on the par five for two, and he's at like 30 feet. I get in the bunker and hit my, uh, hit my bunker shot out, and it goes directly on his line. So he's like doing his pre shot routine, puts his ball down. My ball's still sitting there, and he looks around, and here's Riz handing me the rake, and I'm in there raking my own bunk just because. He had no idea what to do, so mate, he's my best mate. I'm not at, at that stage, I wasn't sending him into rake bunkers and risking him costing me the five hundred and fine. So, Sergio's waiting for me to mark my ball because I'm raking my own bunkers. He, he was so perplexed, and then uh, oh, wow, did he yeah, the,
0: sp- did he say anything to you, or did he speak to you at all? Yeah,
1: yeah, he spoke to me on the way around, and that he's he a bit, he's a bit precious. He is he, yeah, Sergio. Sure. He, he's a bit precious, and he wasn't sure. having the best of days it was like yeah, sure. 25 degrees and he had his umbrella up saying it was too hot and hit one of the worst <laughs> shots that I've ever seen on 14 it went in the middle of the lake on the right of 14 there like it was it wasn't a shank it was just clean out of wow. the middle and it was like 40 short in the middle of the lake I, I don't even know how he got it there but it when he drove awesome.
0: 3 wood off the tee 14 the you, the par three par or the four? Par three. No, oh, par three. Sorry, par three, yeah, gotcha. Yeah, yeah. So One he's just, we'll complain about earlier. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's same hole. <laughs> so I've got some good memories for that hole. Um, so he
0: didn't shake it, just straight off the middle.
1: Yes, <laughs> mate. I don't even know what happened. And then he's like blaming the heat and he's got heat stroke <laughs> and like, oh, man. it was. And look, he was a good dude. We had a good chat. And I've chatted him a couple of times, but he is a bit precious. He's, he's lived at the top for a long time. And, you know, you're out here in Australia now. That's it. You're out here in Australia now with the Bogans, mate. You gotta, you gotta learn to uh, fit in.
0: <laughs> that is hilarious. What a story, man. That that would have been such a cool experience to play with someone like that. And um, it, it, even Herbie. Now he's, you know, up the top now on the European Tour. And yeah, he, uh that would He was with you too, right? That yeah, thing? he
1: was. Yep, yep. He uh, their golf, man. It brings out some interesting characters. He's talking about Serge, and then you know Herbie and. It's uh, it is an interesting sport, but it's just another reason why we need to uh showcase. He's another more.
0: opinionated guy, right?
1: Very he's much pervy. so. Very and bit different, man. Like he's a bit different in the way he goes about things too. Like full credit to him when he when he's on, his confidence is absolutely superior. Like his win early in the year, that was. He hit some awful golf shots, and he has the ability to hit some bad ones. But man, when he's on. He, he's a competitive little bugger and yeah, yeah he, uh, he makes it work. He's comfy he rides that way better than anyone.
0: Now to finish, I want to talk about something that not many golfers would have done, you know, in their past. I know it was a past 68, but you were able to shoot 58 at Hillsville with two bogeys, mind you, that really? would have been an epic experience too, mate. That was last year. Talk us through that a little bit.
1: Yeah, mate. Ironic around that. Cause there was actually a bit of, I was on the, um, the players board at the time the, the players committee and there was a bit of a, we got we called off for a rain delay that day as well, and there was a bit of a fuss over one of the players he was in front, and that was one of the last pro-ams of the year, so there's a lot of guys vying for, you know, it meant a lot the money from that event, Yeah, sure. and he, he made a mistake and he he played out a hole before the siren had sounded so essentially he'd practice on the golf right. course and right, I've, right. I've witnessed it and I've gone, well, look, it sucks. But, you know, unfortunately, that's rules are rules. Like They're in play. And this is a pretty big call. And my opinion was he should have been DQ'd. And it was ruled upon as the tournament committee, which was the organiser in that at the time, that they're going to let him off and let him continue. And so, I blew up. And I had full-on blow-ups with the tournament organiser mid-round on course multiple times. So, when I fin- like, I hold the putt on the last for 10 under. And I was just surreal. like, I hadn't really taken into what was going on. And then I hold it and they feel it me like, Oh yeah. And I'm like, Oh yeah. And it was like such a, like, it was such a weird experience. So you were really
0: but, basically, you were angry at, or you had the emotion of that on the, in your head more than you, what you were doing with your golf. Absolutely,
1: I mean? mate. And then there, yeah, that they got plenty of traction afterwards. And it was, it's an awesome <laughs> yeah. thing to say. And, and look, to say I shot 58, not many people can do it, even though, it is 68, and it's not a true sub-60 round, but hey,
0: Mate, look, I've got it double digits under old. par, man. Double digits under par, bro. Yeah, no, I mean, tell a, me who's... There's not many guys would be able to do that. Under tournament conditions, I'm talking, not just yeah. you. Know, and look, round, if man. I'm
1: full disclosure here, which I shouldn't, because Hillsville isn't the longest of golf courses. Don't it's tell me it's a track, pitch and but, putt,
0: bro. Come on, build it up.
1: It's not it's not a pitching puck, but it's uh it's past sixty eight. It's a sure one at that. So no, look, it was good. It's a great one to have and yeah, look, that's a it's a cool thing to have on this sport gives you the opportunity to have some pretty cool, cool things to talk about and I've got a lot of them, you know, whether it be my time in Europe, you know, whether it be my time in Canada, the stuff I've done here in Australia, it's I've got a very rich uh rich rich bank of memories and um yeah, it's uh it's been a good sport to me and hopefully there's uh there's, there's more, to, more come. to come.
0: Yeah. So just briefly on your future, mate. So you're 29, even 30 yet, mate. So don't cut yourself out yet. No, so no. When I'm this, starting to
1: uh, find what I, my rhythm right now, I reckon.
0: No. Yeah. Nice, mate. Nice. All right. So you're doing some coaching, are you? Is, can people find your coaching? Is that what, what you're doing right now in Canberra? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, um, yeah. As I said, based down in Canberra now. Um, you know, I've been lucky enough to join the team at Royal Canberra. Um, you know, I got a lot of experience in that customer service hospitality. So currently doing a lot in the operational side. But yeah, definitely coaching. Um I've definitely got a a passion for that. You know, I, I don't know whether the structure of my lessons is perfect, but uh, you know, I've still got track man that I managed to acquire at the start when everything was going good. And um, you know, I like to get on there and be pretty analytical and and you know, hopefully help some people. So you know that's been great. And you know, we'll see what what this what happens with the world when everything calms down mate it, it's tough being out there i you know i've accrued quite a bit of debt chasing the dream out there so sure. you know the decision is to to sort of build up some financial security and stability and and hopefully get to a point where i can have something that can that can fund you know the ability to go out and play again absolutely that's like i said playing sports for a living there's nothing better but uh but right now you know it's I might be maturing. and maybe that's what it is. It's a, it's a scary time. So
0: well, it's, people uh, don't realize how much it costs, man. Like, uh, gee, if, if you just showed your balance sheet at the end of the year, people would be very surprised at how oh, much man. it
1: costs. I, and
0: look, it's, without, it's, talk,
1: it's easy to find on the internet, like what, what you've made. But I made a lot in that year, that 2013 year. And I got a scholarship from GA worth the same amount, like another hundred. And I spent it all in 12 months time, like it was, and that wasn't like, I didn't stay in ritzy hotels. It was, it's just an expensive gig. So, mm. you know, when you, and and look, don't get me wrong, probably could have saved some money out of that, but you know, I, <laughs> I
0: live life too, man.
1: Yeah, I lived, I certainly lived. I can assure you that, but yeah, it is expensive. So when you don't have, and you and you're banking all on three weeks a year and you accrue that money and then you, you're going up, going into an event, going, I really, need to, I really need to perform this week and I need to finish top 10 in a pretty star-studded field, that's a lot of pressure to have and it's, it's not sustainable, mate. And, and, you know, again, I saw it again at the end of last year where you know, I felt like I was playing pretty good and I was in a good position, but I needed to make money in those three events at the end of the year and I missed three cuts by one, two and three, I think. And I don't make a cent, but it cost me. Six yeah. grand, seven grand for those three weeks, or anything like
0: that's it's, right. Yeah, it's fickle, isn't it? You're staying in I'm
1: Airbnbs like... that are, you know, like you're cramming <laughs> guys in. It's not like we're staying in the Pullman. Yeah. It's uh, it's yeah, it's right. a tough gig out there, mate. And, um, you know, at, but yeah. at the same time, I've had a lot of a lot of really good highs, and you know, the lows are there as well. But you, you, yeah, you know, we're just professional gamblers. Like that's all we are. You put the yeah, money exactly. down, you bank yourself in to make more than what you put in, and the thrill of that is is worth it. So I just want to uh, I want to make it a bit more stable and a bit more solid. And I've got a fantastic partner that I want to uh, want to make sure I'm around a little bit.
0: Yeah, nice mate. And so yeah, good luck with your coaching uh, venture and and what you're doing up with Sandalins there at uh, Canberra. And um, I, I really appreciate. It. If you want to shout out to anyone too before we go, um, yeah, mate, just those guys, Birds of Condor. You know. Pretty controversial, but uh, you know they uh, they do it right. Jump on, check them out. Birds of Condor are fantastic. They're at Byron so. Bay what do they company. do? They do um, so. They're Byron Bay Company golf apparel. Golf yep.
1: apparel, yeah, yeah. So golf company and got a quite a bit of traction from the golf show in Orlando last year, and they're doing a lot overseas. Again, they, like anything, man, they, they struggle because the population's so small here. So, but you know, Frankie's a a champ, and his wife Zoe, just a cool family business that. Uh, Love the game and, and want to you know make it a little more, a little cooler. You know I don't know whether I can do that. It doesn't look as cool this hat without dreadlocks coming out the back. But um, you know it was a pretty special thing to be able to do that at the end of last year. And the brands no. the brands still good man. I, I think Birds of Condor are doing some fantastic things. And Riz the Caddy um, use that in the in, a, in the in the checkout. Use the code Riz the Caddy. You'll get twenty percent off any orders. So there's plenty plenty uh, plenty of incentive there.
0: Awesome, mate. Awesome. Well, all the best to you, mate. Uh, great chat catching up with you. I uh, really enjoyed our time, mate. Mate,
1: I appreciate it. And I think it's a fantastic thing what you're doing. Uh, good luck. Anytime I can offer anything, man, anything opinionated. Just just mate, uh, buzz me I'll in. I'll be straight I'll, on uh, the phone call, man. I'll be straight <laughs> on the phone Don't worry. I'm, happy to, uh, I'm happy to stir the
0: pot a little. Nice, mate. Awesome. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, brother.